0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, May 3rd.
1: That one time 5,000 black kids went to jail in Birmingham.
2: 5,000 black kids? Yeah,
3: you ain't know? Hell no. So, the first time I heard about the Children's Crusade was back in February on my favorite app, TikTok.
0: And <laughs> I do know that it is your favorite app. <laughs> <laughs> you are like the TikTok ambassador on our team. <laughs> That's Jordan Marie Smith. She is a producer with Post Reports.
3: I was scrolling on TikTok for like an hour, as one does, and I came across this one video. That caught my attention because it immediately started out with this claim that all of these kids, thousands of kids, protested in Birmingham, Alabama and were like attacked by dogs. She shows images, this creator Linnea Bogues, of like German shepherds attacking these kids, these black teenagers and elementary school kids.
0: All those pictures with the
2: hoses and the dogs. Yeah, those were all kids.
0: This week is the 58th anniversary of the Children's Crusade, a week in 1963 when over a thousand Black kids were attacked while marching for civil rights. The video itself that Lene Bogues posted, it got
3: over one million views and comments with people who felt the exact same way I did, where they were just like, just as shocked as I was.
0: All the comments under this video made Jordan Marie realize that this was a history that a lot of people didn't know. And so she decided to try to learn more about this overlooked part of the story of the civil rights movement.
3: There were a couple that were like at the top of the of the list. And there was one woman's comment that actually earned about 73,000 likes. And it just said, oh, my father was one of those kids.
2: It was shocking. I think when you are a Gen Xer, you don't necessarily look at social platforms for educational (laughs) insight. Um, I had had not heard anyone talk about that event in a long time.
3: Erica Timmons is a 49-year-old Black woman, and she lives in San Antonio, Texas. And unfortunately, her father passed away recently, but he was in the Children's March of 1963. And she told me that when she saw Lene Bogue's video on tiktok she was really moved
2: initially i started crying because it reminded me of my father who is now deceased and i didn't think about it anymore honestly and uh, i will i will tell you every since then i think that was back in february i don't go a day without someone either liking that my comment or replying to me about that comment every day since then
0: so tell me what is the children's crusade
3: So the Children's Crusade was a week-long march and peaceful protest that began on May 2nd, 1963, where young Black boys and girls in Birmingham, Alabama, took to the streets of the very racist and segregated town. It was in the name of civil rights, but Even though they were peaceful, they were met with a lot of German shepherds who attacked them and were trained to attack them. And fire hoses and fire hydrants were just like let loose on these kids.
1: The Children's Crusade slash March of 1963 was a pivotal moment in the modern civil rights movement.
3: I reached out to the National Civil Rights Museum, which is at the Lorraine Motel where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. And I spoke with this historian named Ryan Jones, and he kind of filled me in on all of the things I really needed to know about what the Children's March was at its core.
1: Birmingham in 1963 was the most segregated city in the United States of America. Birmingham was known as Bombingham. As a matter of fact, the predominantly African-American section of the city was nicknamed Dynamite Hill because of so many homes, businesses owned by African-Americans, black churches were victims of bombs by dynamite committed by the Birmingham Ku Klux Klan known as the United Clans of America.
0: What I find so striking about that era of history is that I don't know if people always realize how much that violence and, and, frankly, those forms of terrorism were essentially state-sanctioned, right? That you had Governor George Wallace, who did his whole, like, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever thing. Segregation tomorrow and segregation forever. forever. You had Bull Connor, you know, the the very famous police commissioner, who in many ways, like, basically supported this violence against Black people. You've got to keep the white and the Black separate. I think it's important to understand that, to understand, like, how terrifying it would be to be not only a Black person living in Birmingham during that time, but a Black person who is actively advocating for civil rights, who is marching or protesting or out in the streets. I mean, it's like there there was no form of protection.
3: There really wasn't. I mean, Malcolm X was becoming popular um, from the Nation of Islam at this time. And of course, he was in favor of Black people defending themselves against white agitators and white racists. But there was another side to that coin. And that other side to the coin was MLK Jr., and he had a completely different plan about how he would start something called the Birmingham Campaign of 1963, which was basically his philosophy that if you can desegregate the most segregated town in America, then you can desegregate the rest of the nation.
0: I have the feeling that if we can get a breakthrough in Birmingham and- really break down the walls of segregation, it will demonstrate to the whole South, at least the hardcore South, that it can no longer resist integration.
3: So he decided and worked with other leaders and people close to him to come up with this plan, which was called the Children's Crusade, of course. And there was a man named Reverend James Bevel, and he decided that it would be a good idea to form a protest around the kids
1: one of Dr. King's closest associates who had a great relationship with the young people. He was the one who was going around the streets of Birmingham and the, and the high schools of Birmingham to encourage young people to get involved in the movement. And it was his leadership, the Reverend James Bevel, who stated that let's have our children participate in these demonstrations as well. Because if you were an adult and you were participating in a civil rights demonstration, you're put at a liability. You're putting your family's livelihoods in jeopardy. You could lose your job. You could have your your loans recalled from the bank. The Ku Klux Klan, which was very heavy in Birmingham at that time, could have burned across or even worse. But surely they would not treat the children the same way.
0: So I get the strategy of that, but was was there any pushback against this idea of we should basically use these kids as shields to try to continue this movement? Ryan, the historian at the National
3: Civil Rights Museum, he told me that there was definitely a split between Black adults and parents who... Saw kids getting involved in the movement and on the front lines as like the only way that they would actually understand the need for civil rights and would actually understand what their parents and what the adults that they knew were fighting for. On the other side, there were definitely many public officials, both locally and nationally, who criticized Dr. King, who criticized Reverend James Bevel and his aides for involving children in like such a potentially dangerous situation. I mean, this was bombing him. yet again, I feel like I have to say. And it kind of floors me that all of these leaders thought it was a really good idea to put seven to 17 year
0: olds right in the face of hate. Did you talk to anyone who was a kid who participated in this?
3: I did. I did. I talked to a wonderful woman who still lives in Birmingham today, and we had a really nice conversation about what it was like for her to make this decision. I am
2: Janice Wesley Kelsey,
3: and I am
2: currently 73 In two more weeks, I'll have a birthday and I'll be 74.
3: So it has, in fact, been two weeks since I talked to Janice. So she's like now 74. But in those 74 years, I would say Janice has lived quite a life. She was 16 years old in 1963, and she basically heard about what was going on through friends, and they invited her to these things called mass meetings. How I became aware,
2: I heard about the mass meetings, and I knew they were held in different places places around Birmingham and different churches, in fact. What I learned about it, I got from a girlfriend. And she told me about the music and how, uh, how great it was and that the people were clapping and rocking.
3: All right.
2: And she said, a lot of cute boys come to those meetings Well, that certainly sparked my interest. And so that's why I wanted to go to the first mass meeting.
3: She really not only fell in love with the boys of the movement, but she fell in love with the movement itself.
2: I remember the big crowds, the great speakers. I remember Dr. King being among them. Fred Shuttlesworth being among them. Some other local ministers whom I recognized, but one minister whose name was James Bevel. When he took the podium, he is the one who educated me as to what this was really all about. I joined the movement that night.
0: So Janice Wesley Kelsey was pretty fired up after hearing Reverend James Bevel speak at this mass meeting. What happened after that?
3: So after that, it became closer and closer to May 2nd, which was the first day of the Children's Crusade March. She basically started her day like she usually did, but it was a little bit different. That day, she was really focused on one thing and one thing only.
2: Well, that morning was a Thursday morning, and I woke up with my mind on freedom. I was so excited, looking forward to what was going to happen. I remember packing my purse. I remember taking a long time in the bathroom and my brother's knocking on the door trying to hurry me out. But I wanted to make sure I had my toothpaste, toothbrush, everything that I needed. My mother, I didn't discuss with her what my plans were. I didn't want to be discouraged. She sensed something was going on. So she cautioned me before I left and said, Janice, I'm sending you to school. Don't you go anywhere and get yourself in any trouble. I don't have money to get you out. I said, yes, ma'am. That's what she needed to hear. And I was going to school. I just wasn't going to stay. So I walked out with my purse, with my things packed, with my sister's leather jacket, because they told us it might be cold if you go to jail. As I walked out of the door, I was joined by other friends who were walking to school. We sang some freedom songs on our way. And as others would join us as we walked to school, we were asking each other, are you going to do it? Yes. You got your stuff? Yes. And and we got to school just in an era of excitement. That's what I sense it to be just excited.
3: After Janice and her friends had left the school. They walked to the 16th Street Baptist Church. And at that church was Reverend James Bevel, and he was instructing all of the kids to come inside the church so they could have a prayer moment and kind of still themselves for what they needed to do that day and whatever may come. After they were done with the prayers, And some of the freedom songs, they left the church and began walking not far, about a block, before they were stopped.
2: The police officer who stopped us told us that we were in violation of a city ordinance, that we could not parade without a permit. And this white man had a gun on his hip. He had a stick in his hand. And he was telling me to get out of this line. Somebody started singing, we are not afraid. And that gave me the courage that I needed to remain in that line and to be arrested. That next day, May 3rd, more kids joined the movement. Bull Connor gave the order for police to turned the dogs loose on the kids. They were German shepherd dogs. And, and of course, they were trained to attack. And that's what they were doing, snatching clothes, biting people. On the other side of the street, there were some businesses. And kids were lined up on the sidewalk and in the street. And the fire department was given the command to turn the water hoses on them. It was so forceful. It was tearing clothes and skin, causing people to tumble over. Girls with the dresses up, blouses torn. One friend told me some of her hair was sheared off her head with the force of the water.
3: But there was a turn once national news crews came to Birmingham, Alabama. This wasn't just local outlets, you know, saying, oh, these people down the street are doing this one thing. It was CBS News,
1: who literally were saying. Arrests were made in mass lots. Everyone charged with the same offense, parading without a permit. The Negroes had asked for permits and had been denied them. City police were carrying out their pledge to fill their jails to capacity if necessary. They are acting according to the wishes of Bull Connor, the police commissioner, who has set the segregationist tone of the city for many years.
3: It was all over the country. And honestly, once the news crews came to Birmingham, almost everyone had something to say about the issues that were on the ground there. And one very important person had something to say.
2: It ought to be possible for American consumers of any color to receive equal service in places of public accommodation such as hotels and restaurants and theaters and retail stores without being forced to resort to demonstrations in the street.
1: Because of the events in Birmingham, President Kennedy proposed a civil rights bill to the United States Congress to end racial segregation in all public facilities. This particular speech is where the birth of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was born, which was signed by President Kennedy's successor, President Lyndon Johnson, 1964. You cannot understand the role of accomplishments and achievements without acknowledging the heavy and highly success of the Children's Crusade March of 1963.
0: So Jordan-Marie, what was your reaction to like hearing this history in the detail that you've heard it and the fact that so many children specifically were victims of this violence?
3: It kind of took me back to when I first saw that TikTok from Lene Bogues. I was upset yet again that this wonderful impact that this march had Wasn't really taught to me, and I wondered why exactly it wasn't taught to me. And I I actually asked Janice Wesley Kelsey the exact same thing. So, I never actually learned about the Children's March or the Children's Crusade in school, and I wonder does that surprise you? Actually, it does not. I think some
2: people, maybe people in positions of authority may have been embarrassed by how they handle the children. But the president, John F. Kennedy, had gone on national television and criticized our city officials in how they handle the children who were peacefully protesting.
3: I think the other thing I've been thinking about is that these kids who put their lives on the line had this incredible impact on the public opinion of the civil rights movement. This was a key moment where more whites in 1963 started paying attention to Black lives. And it reminds me of the outpouring of outrage in the streets after George Floyd was murdered.
0: I can't breathe. I can
3: More people who weren't Black started taking notice of what was happening and began saying that Black lives actually matter. But those protests of 2020 wouldn't have been possible without a minor, Darnella Frazier.
0: And Darnella was the young woman who was basically holding the camera, that she took the footage of... George Floyd's death and basically changed the world by doing that.
3: She was only 17 years old when she saw George Floyd die. And it's affected her greatly. It's been nights. I stayed up
0: apologizing and and apologizing to George Floyd for not doing more
3: and not physically interacting and not saving his life but it's like it's not what I should have done it's what he should have done when you look at the children's crusade and the murder of George Floyd these are clear examples that kids can be powerful agents of change but as adults we should be asking if they should
0: even be the ones on the front lines in the first place This story was reported and produced by Jordan Marie Smith. It was edited by Alexis Diao. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Rennie Svernofsky. If you want to learn more about the Children's Crusade of 1963, we will share some links, including photos from the movement. Find that in today's show notes and at postreports.com.